This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. More money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States of America. So thanks so much for tuning in to my regular listeners. Uh, Thank you so much. It's an honor to talk to you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. And if you're a new listener, we talk about a little bit about politics, a little bit about the economy, a little bit about how you can make money, because that's why we call it More Money. And so I hope you're having a great, great weekend. Happy Saturday afternoon to everyone. Want to get right down to it. We have a pretty full uh, show in this hour, so uh, stick with us throughout the hour. And then after the hour is over, get out and uh, enjoy uh, the sunshine and the fresh air and get some exercise. And uh, whether you are in New York or whether you're in Maine or we get we get people calling in from Minnesota and Georgia, I hope uh, you're having a great, wonderful weekend. Uh, okay, uh, we just heard from the news uh, uh, broadcast uh, that Joe Biden took a big victory lap last night on this debt deal. And I want to uh, hear from you all about what you think about the debt deal. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, I, I guess I'm modestly in favor of it. I don't want to oversell it. We do cut the arc of debt by $1.5 trillion over the next uh, 10 years, but we're still going to borrow another $10 trillion. (laughs) I'm really frustrated by, and and not just frustrated, I'm horrified, frankly, about how much our nation has faltered in the fact that, you know, we're going to borrow $2 trillion this year, maybe another $2 trillion next year. uh, And yeah, we reduced the debt a little bit. And I give McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, some credit in taking on the president and forcing him to make some concessions but ladies and gentlemen, I think you all know whether you're for this deal or against it. And I have friends on both sides of this who are conservatives. Some of my conservative friends say this is about as good a deal as we can get from, you know, a big spending president, Joe Biden. And others think we should have held out for more. I, you know, I can I can I hear both sides and I, I'm kind of torn by this. But the most important point, and it's the point that Larry Kudlow has been making and others, if you want to get a return to financial sanity in this country, it's not going to happen from the House of Representatives. I mean, I think Kevin McCarthy did about as well as he could, given the hand that he has been dealt. But ladies and gentlemen, you got to get out. We got to get this crazy man out of the White House (laughs) who is spending money at a pace that we've never seen before in history. I mean, we've spent in just the last two years as much as (laughs) we spent to win World War II. I mean, these are insane numbers of amounts of spending. And what have we gotten for it? You know, what have we gotten for all the spending? You think the economy is doing hockey dory? I don't think it is. I think we're in a lot of trouble. I see what's happening to people's incomes and people's, uh, you know, ability to to uh, make their purchases. People are going further into debt. So, sorry, Joe Biden, when you're sitting there last night, uh, prime time in the Oval Office, taking a victory lap on on, you know doing something about the debt, you haven't done anything about the debt, Joe Biden. All you've done with the debt is raise it by $6 trillion, and it's headed to $50 trillion over the next 10 years. These, I know these numbers are so large. I mean, $50 trillion is 50 times a trillion. A uh, trillion has 12 zeros in it. I mean, these numbers are, you know, quite frightening. And so I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not going to give Joe Biden credit for – you know, averting an economic crisis because, ladies and gentlemen, the economic crisis was not the debt ceiling. The economic crisis is the debt itself. It, the river, the ocean, the tsunami of red ink 
<laughs> that is coming out of Washington. And it's all on the spending side, by the way. We get our revenues, they've slowed down a little bit because the economy is slowing down, but we've got re- revenues that are about as high as they've ever been. The problem is that spending just continues. And, and incidentally, I'm not going to just blame the Democrats for this, folks. I will not do that. Uh, I work for Donald Trump uh, in his four years in office and uh, during his four years in office. And I think he did a lot of great things for the economy. No question about it. We have the tax cuts. We have the deregulations. We uh, had better trade deals. Uh, we produced American energy, all the things that you know about. We secured the border. But I have to confess, and I'm going to admit it as a guy who's a fan of Donald Trump, I think he was in many ways a great president. Uh, he didn't control the budget. You know, he liked to spend money. You know, So uh, it's not just a Democratic problem. It's a Republican. It's a politician problem. And that's why we as our as the American people have to stand up to this, because we have not averted the crisis. OK, I'm going to say that loud and clear. The debt crisis may be a slight pause in it, but we're kidding ourselves. We're fooling ourselves if we think that somehow the debt crisis is over. It's only just beginning, and it's getting worse, not better. It's just that the the river, you know, it's like if you have, when I was a kid, we used to get water in our basement all the time. Every time there was a big storm, the you know, and sometimes, you know, the water would, would be literally two feet of water in our basement. You know, we'd have to spend a week afterwards just clean out that basement and mopping it all up. And, you know, so in other words, what I'm saying is instead of having like two feet of uh, of, of water in our basement right now, we have a one uh, foot and 10 inches of water in our basement. Gee, that's going to really solve the problem. So, folks, I, I I wanted to mention one other quick thing about what's going on, and then uh, we'll take a break, and then we'll hear from the pains. Um, I'm also disturbed about the fact that the Republicans did not get rid of the 87,000 new IRS agents that Joe Biden wants to hire and wants to sick on um, conservatives and Republicans. If, and by the way, I know we have Republicans, Democrats, independents, all sorts of folks, uh, you know, listening to the show. And I, I thank everyone for, uh, you know, taking some time to listen to my, uh, you know, beefs about what's going on with the economy. But what I'm trying to tell you is that when you hire 87,000 new IRS agents, which is basically, think about this, that's like Yankee Stadium in New York being filled with new IRS agents. That's a whole hell of a lot of people who are going to be knocking on our door, uh, auditing us, uh, causing all sorts of uh, headaches for the American people. And what I'm here to tell you, if if you're a conservative like I am, and I'm a conservative Republican, they're going to start auditing people whose opinions they don't agree with. In other words, this is the politicization and the weaponization of government. It's one of the scariest things that I think is going on right now, where the Biden administration is using the powers of government, whether it's the FBI, whether it's the Justice Department, whether the State Department, whether it's uh, these regulatory agencies. What are they doing? They're going after, they're using the power of government to track down and investigate, and in some cases imprison, people whose political opinions they disagree with. I've been audited four times by the IRS. I had a $50,000 lien against me where they basically essentially took money from my bank account. And I did, it turned out that I didn't even owe them the money. These are the kind of intimidation tactics that the government uses now against people whose opinions they disagree with. This is like what third world tyrants do. You know, this is what Kim Il-jung does to his enemies in North Korea. It's not, it's not supposed to happen in the United States. And so, sorry, I am not in favor of doubling the size of the IRS. I think it's incredibly dangerous. And Republicans didn't do a good enough job of tailing. You know, they scaled it back by a few billion dollars. But that means instead of, you know, having 87,000 new IRS agents, they might only have 75,000 new IRS agents. That's still way, way, way too many. And I'm with my friend Steve Forbes, my great, great friend and really mentor, uh, Steve Forbes, who says if we had a flat tax, a simple tax system, we wouldn't need to have 150,000 IRS agents in this country tracking us down and keeping track of every single financial transaction that you and I uh, engage in. That is a privacy problem. It's an economic problem. And it's a civil justice problem. 
So, folks, that's where we're at right now. Um, I'm going to give the budget deal uh, the grade of a B minus. And, and you might think I'm over giving it too generous a grade, but I think Kevin McCarthy, given the, the hand he was dealt, did a pretty good job against an obstinate president who didn't want to negotiate at all. He didn't even want to negotiate on this. So uh, we will take a quick break. You're listening to WABC Talk Radio. This is the More Money Show. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in one minute. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. I'm economist Steve Moore. And now we turn to our weekly segment with two of the best in the financial business, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, thanks for joining. As always, let's get right down to it. Ryan, what do you make of the jobs report and what impact (laughs) will this have on Fed action and the stock market? Um, I think we might get the best combination. Well, first off, wow to the jobs report. Right. Um, wow. <laughs> awesome. The number got 300-some thousand jobs created. Yeah, and the consensus for, was for under 200,000. Yeah. So uh, yeah. complete blowout on the jobs number, which says the employment market is continuing to be strong, which, Steve, we have said uh, we expected that was going to happen. And meanwhile, it looks the Fed may pause at their uh, meeting this uh, this month. So I think if you get the Fed to ease off with their uh, tightening policy right now, and like we've said before, if inflation continues to come down like it is, and if people continue to have jobs and see wage growth, man, oh, man, that's what I call a soft landing. That's what I call a pretty solid, healthy economy. So uh, the, it was interesting because you're right. We had, you know, the big, big numbers and also revisions upward from previous months, although – you know, if you look at the the second survey, they do the household survey. It showed, I think, several hundred thousand job losses, which was peculiar because they were both these two surveys were pointing in opposite directions. But it's hard hard not to be impressed by that uh, employment survey number. But uh, Bob, uh, when I look at that number, it makes me think, hey, maybe the Fed thinks maybe we can raise another quarter point percentage point because the labor market is strong. And they worry about they're still worried about inflation. We still have inflation in the four and a half to five percent range. So is this going to make it more likely that the Fed uh, pauses or might they raise rates again in the in the wake of this report? Well, you know, Steve, we were introduced to a new term from the Fed this week, which is, you know, the FOMC is the Federal Open Mouth Committee. You know, they're always talking before the meetings. <laughs> I love I'm going to steal that one from you, Bob. <laughs> all right. It's all yours. So, you know, now they're talking about a skip, right? It's, uh, there's no longer a pause. It's a skip. So, Bob, what does that mean, a skip? What is the Fed, what is the Fed going to do? Well, I think what they're, they're implying is that they will pause, but they don't want to call it a pause because they want to be perceived as these great inflation fighters. They want to get out in history right. as the next Volcker. Um, and it's fine. You know, every, they want to worry about their image. But the market doesn't care um, what's happening now. They're looking forward. And what they see is inflation's been coming down, as we've been telling everybody this year. Uh, earnings are going up. Earnings estimates are going up. Employment's going mm-hmm. up. And I think there's, you know, I think wage growth wasn't as much as it had been in the past. So I think there's enough in there for the Fed to actually pause at the June meeting, and the market's loving every minute of it right now, Steve. You know, the uh, the wage situation is very interesting because um, there was a revision downward, a pretty big revision, uh, 
from the previous quarter on wages, instead of growing by 4%, I don't know if you guys saw this report, but they saw a slight decline in real wages. And so you still have this problem, Ryan, in workers still not keeping pace with inflation. And yet, <laughs> the thing that, I, that really puzzles me is that, you know, I go on airline flights or I go out for dinner or you, you just see spe- or, or the stores, the malls, they're completely full with cars and people. So it seems to me, Ryan, people are still spending a lot of money. They are, and I think it's 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 two things. Number one, there's still some stimulus left that consumers mm-hmm. are using. Um, you know, we've seen this transition, right? We've gone from buying Pelotons to going on planes. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, you've seen it's been a big pivot in the economy. Like now, my my Pelotons down the basement with my Bowflex, um, you know, other exercise <laughs> equipment that we don't use anymore. Um, and you're right. I mean, American yeah. Airlines came out and they raised their guidance. Uh, because people are traveling and I think, you know, the bottom line is, yeah. okay, I'm spending down my stimulus, but now we're starting to see in the last three months, wage growth is starting to exceed inflation and yeah. it's running about the historical average over like 1.1%. So you're, yeah. you're getting to that combination of where wage growth is actually going to start going over the inflation rate, which means the economy can continue to stay strong because the consumer drives everything. So, Ryan, every time I see you on TV, you see so, seem so physically fed. How are you doing it if you're not using your Peloton? <laughs> what are you using now? <laughs> I'm going down in the real economy. I'm going for a real run outside and, uh, you know, <laughs> amongst awesome. the other people. So, Bob, one of the things that I'm concerned about two areas of the economy, uh, obviously what everybody's talking about is commercial real estate. And the other one um, – is uh, just mortgages generally, you know, with the higher mortgage rates. And I saw a report that came out a couple of days ago about consumer card, uh, especially credit card debt, um, that is, you know, very high. So, do we do we worry about those? You know, we, there's always worries, but the, you know, they're they're concerns, but they're not certainties. And and that's why you know markets are so difficult. They're so counterintuitive when it comes to investing. Because markets historically climb a wall of worry. So we always need different bricks to put in that wall, Steve. And you just name the major bricks that everybody's concerned about. Uh, again, they're not certainties. You know, commercial real estate right. is going to have some issues. It's going to hurt some small to mid-sized banks. But, again, there's, you know, it's not going to be a huge problem for the economy. And that was something that really disappointed the bears, right? So, you know, has the banking crisis didn't turn into a big banking crisis. Um, housing, there's still a shortage. And housing stocks are booming right now because it's looking forward. There's a huge demand for housing, and that's not going away. And as Ryan said, you know, the consumer's been resilient. There's still enough of the, uh, you know, benefits that are left over from COVID spending. And I'll tell you, the big part of the economy is my generation, baby boomers, right? We've had a big impact on this economy, and there's plenty of wealth. A lot of my friends are retired now, Steve. They're spending money on travel. They're eating out, and they're spending money on health care. They're keeping this economy booming. So, Bob, just reassure us that you're not going to retire anytime soon. Well, you know, even though they pay me, even though, Steve, even though, Steve, my my children, you know, they work me like a dog and pay me like a puppy, I'm sticking it out. Good. Okay, so we just got two minutes left. Uh, Ryan, first you and then Bob. What do you like? What do you like out there? What stocks should people be looking at and, and what are you advising people to do? Well, you know, technology has been super hot this year. We had NVIDIA just blew away their uh, forecast for the year, and the stock's up big. But I wouldn't get seduced in the tech trade here. You know, tech's had a big run. Uh, if you look at their valuations, they're at, a, they're at high, high levels right now. So I would diversify. We talked about the global market, Steve. I mean, believe it or not, this year, Germany's in a recession. They're actually leading uh, the U.S. market this year. So is France, which is kind of shocking. Um, so, you know, markets overseas are very cheap. And Greece – right now is the number one stock market in the world. Who would guess that Greece would have gotten their debt situation under control? Um, Tourism's booming there. So I think you want to think globally here. Uh, Markets around the world are inexpensive and spread the money out. Don't get seduced back into what was the winners of last year. Typically, the next 10 years don't look like the last 10 years when it comes to the market. And so, Bob, what do you you think of the dollar? Uh, I think the dollar is going to continue to weaken, Steve. Um, you know, I think that our rates are going to be coming down. I think the Federal Reserve is going to skip, maybe pause. Um, right. There's even some belief that they'll cut rates later this year. So I think the dollar's had a, had a big move in the last couple of years. It's going to be a little weaker going forward. But I agree with Ryan. You know, volatility is inherent. Diversification 
broad diversification, diversify the living mm-hmm. daylights out of your portfolio. That's how you win in this market. Well, awesome. Gentlemen, great uh, summary of what is going on right now with the uh, with the economy and the stock market. I guess the bottom line here is why I am be bullish. Steve, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> well, I've learned a lot from you guys over the last uh, year or two. We've been doing the show together. Thanks so much, gentlemen. We'll be right back. This is the More Money Show on WABC. Hey, okay, if you're thinking to yourself right now, we get it. Bob and Ryan, the world's not going to end. Well, here's your shot to get a second opinion on your retirement. Make sure you're on track, capitalizing on the fact the world's not going to end today. We have 10 slots open. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will put together for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. In fact, we go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to get a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture and just deal with every issue you have to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways, one right way for you. We're going to look at how do you draw from your portfolio, factor in inflation so you don't run out of money. We're going to put together a full dynamic game plan for income. We're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard in the last couple of years as markets have been extremely volatile? Or have you been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, not figuring out what to do? We're going to put together a full diversified investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high-cost products like annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, whole life insurance products. We're going to go through every investment you own, show you how to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844 752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's um, P-A-Y-N-E. We deal with over a 1,000 families. We think about financial planning pretty much day and night. And when it comes to retirement, you know, one thing that's, I think, a big topic of discussion is we're all living longer. Um, we're all going to have more health issues in retirement because we're living longer, which means our portfolios have to be more insulated than, say, our parents had to worry about back for their retirement. So I thought we could talk today about like ways and things to think about to make sure when you do finally live off your portfolio that you're not putting yourself at risk. Yeah, you know what, Brian? Planning is is really crucial, but you know it's not about you know having enough money you know, I say like is there a number where I have to save a certain amount of money the first thing you have to understand is how much are you spending right what is your spending rate what we call your burn rate when you think in terms of you know the uh, the world of technology uh you talk about burn rate so it's not just how much money you're going to spend now but how about when you're in retirement that's pretty visceral, Bob. It's like burn rate. It's like I'm literally putting dollars on fire. <laughs> so like, like, that makes me feel pretty urgent. But you're right. And, you know, the one thing we found is we have a lot of clients now in their 80s. We have a lot of clients now in their 90s. And the one thing we found is you don't end up spending less money as you move into retirement. A lot of you think like, well, in my 70s, I'll spend a lot, go on a lot of great trips. But by my 80s, I probably won't do much. That's not true. <laughs> How many clients do we have this year that they're in their 80s going on their, like, you know, 15th cruise this summer, right? I mean, you, people spend money all the way through their 80s now. No, they really do. So, you know, it is about saving, right? You have to save money while you're in your working years. And, you know, a lot of times we don't know how much to save because we don't have a plan. And it's really just about working backwards, you know, from what your goals are, you know, to where you are now. But there's other Things to consider, right? We're going to live longer, right? Healthcare costs are going up. They're going to go up while you're in retirement. You know, when you take Social Security, how you take Social Security is is a big question. 
You know, what will the markets do? What rate of return can I assume? How about your taxes? Do you think people will be in a higher bracket in retirement than they are now? There are a lot of things to consider um, when you're when you're putting a plan together. That's why it just can't be one single thought. It's got to be something you work on once a year. Yeah, no, it really is. And as we always say, you want to throw the kitchen sink against your financial plan, right? You want to say, like, what happens if a quarter of a million dollars comes out during retirement for health care costs? Does that lower the amount of income I can live on? Do I need to get a long-term care policy or can I self-insure, right? These are the questions you need to ask yourself and you got to put the pedal to the metal. Like you, you actually have to model this out. And this is exactly what we think about when we put together for our clients, the numbers every year as we look at like, okay, what if something catastrophic happens? Is your portfolio prepared for it? Are you insulated? Well, one thing is, right, no one can predict the future, right? No one knows the unknowable, right? Nobody can predict the unpredictable. So a plan is really only useful if it can survive reality. And the reality is the future is filled with unknowns. That's why you've got to update it all the time. You also have to think about things that you may want to be helpful with, you know, maybe family members, maybe your parents need help or your children. You might have a sibling who didn't do as well as you have. Uh, where you might want to be able to help them out. So, you know, plan has a lot of varieties to it, a lot of different things to think about. Um, and it's things you have to have to do every single year. You just can't wing it. You really can. And, I mean, the other the big, I think, awakening for all of us was inflation, right? We had very little inflation the last decade. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, we had a 40-year high in inflation last year, and it's still relatively high based on history. So the other thing you have to factor in is, okay, whatever I need to spend today, Double that over the next 20 years. Right? I mean, that's that's yep. kind of scary. You know, if you spend, let's say, $200,000 a year now, well, you're going to need $400,000 a year in 20 years. And the question you have to ask yourself is, have I accounted for that? And that's the problem with a lot of these, I'll call them financial products, Bob. Like, you go, we talk about annuities all the time, annuities, income for life. Well, the problem is when you turn that annuity on, the income doesn't change. <laughs> but your income needs are going to change. Uh, and that's a really big problem, and I can tell you, most of you have not accounted for that. Well, that's why it's so important to follow a strategy that has the highest odds of meeting your goals, not your neighbor's goals, not your best friend's goals, not your brother's goals, your goals, right? Because, you know, the illusion of control is more persuasive than the reality of uncertainty. And unforeseen events, you know, control most outcomes, right? So you got to have a plan based on what you want to achieve. That way you know how to adapt when these unforeseen events occur? I mean, the ideal situation is you want the surprises being the positive, not the negative. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, okay, I need to make sure that my surprises are in the positive, not the negative for my retirement. Well, here's your shot to do it. We're down to literally four slots left. Uh, we're going to keep them up for the rest of the show. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review we literally will go through everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front at no cost. We go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, and we're just going to hone in on every issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement, factoring in the fact that inflation is going to double over the next 20 years. You've got to have a plan for that, how you take Social Security, how do you draw from your portfolio with the least amount of tax, we put together a full dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile. Has your portfolio been up and down, not going where it should be going, or have you been sitting with too much money conservatively in cash, paralysis by analysis because you don't know what to do? We're going to put together a full diversifies investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street, all they do is sell high cost tax inefficient products, insurance products, annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products. We do a deep dive of every investment you own. Show you how to reduce every cost, all those hidden costs in your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. Then we're going to give you our full tax playbook, tie it all together into one total financial master plan. We have four slots left if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified 
Financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost. There's no strings attached. But you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. Simply go to bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist, here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. Sell in May and go away is an old Wall Street adage referring to the historically weaker performance of the market from May to October compared with the other half of the year. This week on the Street of Dreams, if you sold last month, the 1st of June says you sold too soon. As the Dow Jones Industrial Average surged Friday for its best day since January as traders cheered a strong jobs report and the passage of a debt ceiling bill that averts a U.S. default. The Dow jumped 700 points, or 2%. The S&P climbed 1.5%, and the NASDAQ composite advanced 1%, its sixth straight week higher, a streak length not seen for the tech-heavy index since 2020. Now, the best performer was the Russell 2000 index of small company stocks, jumping a whopping 3.5% on Friday, its best one-day rally since November. Non-farm payrolls grew much more than expected in May, rising 339,000, far exceeding estimates of a relatively modest 190,000 increase. It marked the 29th straight month of positive job growth. Now, recently, strong employment data has been pressuring stocks on the notion it would keep the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. But Friday's data also showed average hourly earnings rose less than economists expected year over year, while the unemployment rate was higher than anticipated. Investors were clearly focusing mainly on the wage data, leading many to believe that the Fed will pause its interest rate hiking campaign at the policy meeting scheduled for later this month. Giving credence to the belief, with recent signs of moderating inflation, the Fed is bringing the economy in for a soft landing and will avert a recession. Easing concerns around the U.S. debt ceiling also helped sentiment. The Senate passed the bill to raise the debt ceiling late Thursday night, sending the bill to President Joe Biden's desk. Really, did anyone actually believe the U.S. government was going to default on its bills? So here we are. There are plenty of jobs. Inflation is moderating. The bank crisis is abating. The recession is still a no-show. Earnings were better than expected during first quarter, and the Fed likely will pause its rate hiking for at least one meeting. Artificial intelligence, AI, will boost productivity, but only if it doesn't kill us first. Summer is coming, and with the S&P 500 now up 20% since October, we're now officially in a new bull market. Something for everybody to love, of course, except the perma-bears and the pessimists who hate this market, especially those who sold in May and went away. I guess they forgot that compounding interest is the greatest force in the universe. And as Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's investment partner, so famously said, the first rule of compounding is to never interrupt it unnecessarily. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 70 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844 844- 752-6692, or you can simply just call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. 
paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. More Money Show, thank you so much for tuning in. This is WABC uh, Talk Radio in New York, and we have uh, affiliates and listeners all over the country. So thank you so much on what is, uh, at least where I am in Maryland, an absolutely beautiful Saturday afternoon. So I hope you're having a wonderful weekend. Uh, I want to talk about the debt deal that was just consummated, and I want to uh, bring in uh, Congressman Keith Self from the great state of Texas. Uh, Mr. Producer, do we have uh, the congressman on? Yes, we do. Okay, Congressman Steve Moore here. Thanks so much for joining. You bet, Steve. Great to be here. So tell us where your district is in Texas. My district is just north of Dallas. It's uh, Collin and Hunt counties, just a couple of counties, which tells you they're fairly populated, uh, but just north of Dallas. Okay. Uh, I wanted to get you on, and thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day, uh, to get your sense of, I believe you were one of the no votes on the budget deal. I, I, I don't remember, so I, correct me if I'm wrong about that. I've been kind of on the fence on it, and I think a lot of our listeners are, and we hear some good things about it, some bad things about it. Uh, So did you vote for it or against it? I voted against it, and let me tell you why. Knowing the headlines of the bill are very positive, you got to get down into the details. you got to see where the money actually goes. you got to see what's actually uh, rescissioned before you know what's in the bill. So, by the way, let me just stop you right there. You know, I, I originally came out strongly for last weekend when Governor McCarthy and you know, Joe Biden, you know, announced the agreement. And the talking points from the speaker's office were very positive. The pro-American drilling policies, the cap on the spending, uh, they were going to, you know, reduce the number of IRS agents. Uh, they were going to claw back the uh, un, un, uh, uh, spent COVID there was going to be looking congressman at the fine print and the asterisks in the bill. It wasn't all it was to be. No, Steve, it wasn't. Uh, I will tell you, this was the leverage point that we had to force some control over the out of control spending. This was it. This was the time. This was the vote. This was probably the most consequential vote this Congress will We'll, 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 we'll field this time, and uh, we failed at the point of most importance. And what do you think was the, you know, what, what's, what do you think is the worst part of this deal, and what was the reason you voted no? Well, the best part was some of the energy industry. That was the best part. The worst part is this was basically a freeze, not a cut. A freeze. Right. You can ar- argue yeah. over ten billion or so, but this was a freeze in exchange for four trillion dollars over nineteen months. Think about that. Okay. Can we really spend four trillion dollars in nineteen mean, months? You mean four trillion of, of borrowing? Of borrowing, absolutely. Can yeah. we borrow four oh trillion dollars in nineteen months? Jeez. Oh my God, that's incredible. And, and we explain to our listeners, Congressman. Uh, I'm talking to. Uh, Keith Self, uh, you know, outstanding conservative congressman from the great state of Texas. Uh, explain the difference between a debt, you know, ceiling, like a dollar amount. And what, as I understand it, what they did is just suspended the debt ceiling until uh, 2025. So there's well, no cap on the debt now. Well, that's exactly right. We've been assuming it's $4 trillion because that is what history tells us. But it is truly yeah. unlimited because it goes only to a date. I will note it's past the next election, so they've taken this issue off of the plate of the next presidential election, which to me is another failure. And the fact that they – so in other words, what you're saying is that Congress can borrow whatever it wants, and the president can borrow whatever it wants until January of 2025. There's no, there's no limit now, right? That's correct. There's no limit, and our next uh, uh, chance to do anything with it is the appropriations bills – but uh, uh, most of us have little faith that the appropriation process will control the out-of-control spending. Yeah, right. They like that. The reason they're on the appropriations committee is they like to spend, right? Uh, so I'm also frustrated, Congressman. Again, I, I'm talking to Congressman uh, Keith Self of the great state of Texas, who was a no vote on the on the bill. And by the way, Mr. Pre- uh, Mr. Uh, Congressman, 
when you look, uh, I, I, I didn't watch the president's speech last night, but he basically, you know, I just saw the headlines from it, and he basically said he saved the country. Well, that's what we're trying to do, because one of the two existential threats to this country is the debt. Uh, one of those threats that will cause the end of our constitutional republic in exchange for tyranny is the debt. At some point, uh, we will have to make changes, and those will be very painful. But uh, this is an existential threat, Steve, the debt. I, when you said this is one of the two existential threats, I agree with you on the first one. What's the second one? The border. We've got to get control of the border. Right. Those, those are right. my absolute focuses uh, for my first term, the border and the debt. And uh, both of those have gone completely in the wrong direction under uh, Joe Biden's presidency. I would add a third, uh, sir, and I have a reaction to it. I think the third existential threat to the United States – well, actually, I'm going to add a fourth. I think a third existential threat is the loss of our First Amendment right. The right of assembly, the right of religion. I think these are attacks on the left. Uh, you know what makes America special places. We do have those first amendment rights. So I would also. I lost you a little bit, Steve. Try it again. Oh, I was saying I think that the attack on our first amendment rights is a existential threat, and also China. Uh, I would agree that they're both important. Uh, First Amendment rights, every single one of those five fundamental rights are under assault, under assault, absolute assault. Uh, China, I believe if we will simply uh, go into a true deterrence posture, we can handle China. Uh, That's a longer term threat. But the debt and the uh, the border are near term. So you shoot the closest wolf to the sled. And those are the two that are closest (laughs) to the sled. Well, that's a great point, and I would add to what you're saying. You know, I think China obviously is a longer-term threat. But, Congressman, when we borrow like we're borrowing right now and shut down American energy, as Biden is doing, uh, and, uh, you know, spend money that we don't have, it seems to me that's playing right into the hands of our enemy uh, in Beijing. Absolutely. And, frankly, China is dangerous in the near term. Let me just say this. Uh, They are under extreme economic pressures and demographic pressures. Uh, So I think we've got a window of five to seven years with China that we need to deter. Uh, If we can get through the next five to seven years, I think we will have uh, turned our our defense around and we'll be able to deter better. Uh, So that's uh, that's my thinking on China. It's tied to our deterrence posture. Right. Uh, This this administration does not believe in hard power. Uh, We have got to return to some semblance of hard power. So I want to, um, and I I appreciate again you uh, taking some time, Congressman uh, Heath Self from Texas, and talking to us. Um, One of the things I was frustrated in this uh, debt deal bill is I'm I'm a hundred percent against hiring eighty seven thousand new IRS agents. I think it is an incredible abuse of power. I think that those IRS agents are going to be turned again, just as happened under Obama. They will weaponize the IRS against people like you and me and many of our listeners who have a conservative orientation or a Republican Party label. What do you have to say about that? Well, the, we, uh, we basically clawed back a very small part of the $80, million, $80 billion. And I realize the yes. $80 billion was on top of the annual $9 billion or right. so. <laughs> so the $80 right. billion, we're going to claw back $1.4 billion? Okay, so yeah. we go from 87,000 agents to what, 85,000 agents? Uh, we've done nothing yes. to stop that. So what uh, in just the last minute or two I have with you, um, you're one. Are you a member of the Freedom Caucus? Are you not? I, I'm not actually a formal member. I certainly caucus with them, but I am not a formal okay. member. But, man, that's my ideological home for sure. OK, so then I wanted to ask you this final question, then. What do we do? You know, if you were uh, talking to Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or these uh, men and women who are running for pre- the presidency, what do we do, Congressman, to control this massive debt? When I first came to Washington 35 years ago, the debt was two point, you know, one trillion. Now it's thirty two point one trillion. I mean, it's unbelievable how much this debt has gone up. Well, we now have we're, the the numbers are building, Steve. We had 20 of us in the speaker's race. We had 29 voted against the rule. 
which could have killed the bill. We had 71 <laughs> Republicans who voted against the bill itself. The numbers are growing. We've got to support people who are willing to put it all on the line. If you think back to Obamacare, the Democrats put it all on the line and they got it across. Yeah. We need to do the opposite. We need people who are willing to stand up and do what they say when they come to Congress and do what they say and simply say no. I think it's Ronald Reagan that said uh, balancing the budget is a lot like protecting your, your virtue. Sometimes you just <laughs> have to say no. <laughs> well, that's Congressman Keith Self of Texas, one of my best friends in Congress, one of the wisest voices. Congressman, have a great day. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, t- folks, we'll take one minute break and we'll be right back. This is the More Money Show on WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show, our final segment, and I've left the best. For last, my good friend and colleague, uh, Alfredo Ortiz, who runs the Indispensable Job Creators Network, which is the most important small business network that believes in liberty and free markets and free enterprise uh, in the country. Alfredo, thanks so much for joining. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it, as always. All right. We've got a lot to talk about, Alfredo, so let's just get right down to it. First of all, are you you've been leading the charge against the student loan bailout? You were one of the plaintiffs in the Supreme Court uh, cases. Can you give our listeners just a quick update on that? And also, are you happy with what they did in the budget deal on the student loan uh, bailout? Uh, it, it explain kind of what happened there. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, any day now, or uh, hopefully, uh, going to hear back from the Supreme Court on our case. Uh, against the uh, Department of Education. And uh, if you read the tea leaves and all the uh, prognosticators and all the legal uh, SCOTUS watchers, uh, they all pretty much say that it's going to probably go our way. Um, it is the Supreme Court. So uh, as in the past, it has surprised us every now and then. Um, uh, so we're just waiting to hear back. But uh, of course, uh, well, well, if, we, you, if you were to win sure hope so. a, a case, uh, what would that mean then? What would the repercussions be? What it would mean is that it's done. I mean, it's it's it stopped uh, no more. There would be a program. Uh, they would have to try to go back uh, and try to think of a way of doing that. But as you know, wow. in this current Fiscal Responsibility Act, it was also uh, um, uh, discussed, but then there was a separate bill that basically killed it both in the House and the Senate, sitting on the president's desk right now. He's vowed to veto it. Uh, any day now. Um, so, you know, pretty much the will of the people really have spoken uh, from that perspective. They just don't think it's fair. They don't want it. They don't think it's right. Yeah. Um, and if if he wants to fight for it, if the president wants to fight for it, he has to go do it the right way. And, and just so people understand, because this is such an important point you're making, uh, Alfredo, and I'm talking to Alfredo um, Ortiz of the Job Creators Network, Um, This was never passed through Congress. I mean, we have three branches of government. Congress is supposed to appropriate the money. And as I understand your case, this is not this is not the way it is done. It's an unconstitutional designation or appropriation of power by the president. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I heard the congressman just before I came on, uh, you know, you guys are talking about, you know, 10 billion here, 8 billion here. This is like 400 plus to maybe 500 billion dollar move on behalf of the president. So uh, this was probably more significant than probably most of the things that were even included in the last that was just signed. Good point. And so um, the um, so you you think you're going to hear in in sometime in the weeks ahead about this the decision by the Supreme Court on this one. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we think so. Um, you know, we're uh, anticipating uh, any day now, the Thursday, I believe, of this week, uh, this coming week, is the next round of decisions. Um, right. And so we eagerly await the 10 a.m. hour on that day uh, to see if we're one of the decisions. But uh, like I wow. said, if, if you if you read most of what the, the legal SCOTUS watchers uh, are saying, right. um, they're, they're all saying that uh, this this looks like it's a done deal. Well, you'll have done an incredible service to the country if you, well, even just bringing this case was a great service, but if you win, oh my God, what a what an amazing thing you've done for our country at the Job Creators Network. So can you explain what they did in the uh, debt deal 
with respect to the um, to the uh, student loan bailouts. Well, the the good thing in the debt deal is that they uh, uh, they, they basically put it into law now codified the uh, the loan repayments. Uh, which had been paused for three years, Steve. Remember that five billion dollars, roughly per month, per month wow. over three years. That uh, uh, you know these student loans have been paused, and so that restarts uh, August 30th, I believe. Um, so that right there is a huge win for us uh, as a country. But uh, so, in know, other words, let me just interrupt you yeah. for a second because I, I think is that mean as I understand it, the uh, what the what the deficit says, the president can, you know, in terms of any new student loan um, uh, bailouts, those would not be permitted without an act of Congress. Is that right? Yeah. Well, there was a separate, a whole separate bill basically that just got passed in in both houses of Congress and is sitting on the yeah. on the president's desk also, that basically disallows the current. Uh, debt forgiveness uh, program that he had put forth, the four or five hundred billion dollar program that we're talking right. about. Um, but in addition to that, remember he during COVID um, uh, and, and even past COVID for an, an entire three years, the actual uh, repayments, uh, you know, the monthly payments of student yeah. loans, all those yes. had been put on pause for three years, about five billion dollars per month. Jeez. Oh my God! So almost two hundred billion dollars. That, quite frankly, you can say he got away with. Um, and I have to tell you, we got to go circle back to that and make sure that that loophole is closed because he can keep doing this yes. over and over. Um, right. uh, so, so we got to make sure that that loophole is closed. Good point. And wasn't this like a, the COVID emergency that was the launching pad for this? Which COVID ended what two years ago, and we're still using that as yeah. an excuse to for. That's right. And remember that he used the HEROES Act uh, to basically uh, uh, defend it and justify it and pretty much justify why he didn't have to go through the the normal uh, rulemaking procedure. Um, And remember that the HEROES Act actually came out of 9-11 in response (laughs) to first responders. It's like, like, let's see, okay, HEROES, first responders, college students. Uh, I don't see the similarity, you know? Yeah. Right. And it just shows that they use these crises to expand. They always use crisis folks to expand the power of government. You know, I think it was James Madison who said that crisis is the rallying cry of the tyrant. And that's what we're yeah. seeing right now. So uh, yeah. I know we only have a few minutes left of your time. I'm talking you, to Alfredo you, Ortiz. You know what? You, Steve, what I want to point out really quickly, because I know that there's yeah. a lot of back and forth on the Fiscal Responsibility Act and Obviously, people for people get it. But the one thing yeah. I think that was really, really great that I'm not sure it's getting enough play is actually to help rein in this executive overreach is the administrative pay go. Mm-hmm. This is a yes. huge thing. I mean, this well, is a huge that. No longer. That. Yeah, well, yeah, well basically, this $400 billion program that Biden put forth on the college, he would have had to find a way of funding the $400 billion program, right? I mean, this yeah. is amazing because so far he's gone away with what? $1.8 trillion, I think, of spending uh, right. just through uh, th- through the executive pen. Um, yeah. So 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 that all would go away now. I, I think that was a major, yeah. major accomplishment. I don't think it's getting yeah. enough daylight. 